Hey, this is The Lowdown with Lindsay Lohan. This is my chance to share with you all some amazing people, places, and things that are inspiring to me. I hope that each episode will challenge you, inspire you, and give me the chance to share more of my life with all of you. Today, we're going to be talking with a very dear friend of mine, amazing producer, Brad Kavoy. We'll be discussing working together on my most recent film, secrets from making the movie Dumb and Dumber, and I'm going to get the lowdown on all of his favorite films. Tune in. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Lowen, and welcome to The Lowdown. Today we have a special guest and very dear friend of mine, Brad Cravoy. So hi, Brad. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here with you, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. It's so lovely to see a friendly face. <laughs> All right, so Brad, I wanted to start by, start off by asking you, you're a famous producer. You've done tons of movies. I mean, Dumb and Dumber being one of them, which is a cult classic. I just want to ask you, and so the viewers can understand, where did your journey begin with getting into the movie industry? Well, that's a great question, Lindsay. I don't think I've been asked that question in a long time. I was uh, a young lawyer at a law firm, hating every second of it. And one Saturday, I went to a Stanford football game, and I happened to sit next to a guy, Roger Corman. And Roger Corman, I don't know if you're familiar with him or if, if your listeners are, but he's the person in the 50s and 60s who was a very, very famous director and producer who was known for giving people within the film industry their chance, their first jobs. So if you go back and look at his career, you'll see he started a who's who of now what I would call the last generation that's making way for the next generation. So if you look at Ron Howard, for example, he gave Ron Howard yeah. his first directing job, Eat My Dust. He gave Francis Ford Coppola, you know, of course, one of the greatest directors of all time who directed The Godfather, his first job. He gave Martin Scorsese his first job. Jim Cameron, oh, who's soon to come out with three versions of Avatar, his first job. Gail Ann Hurd, who... Uh, is known for producing The Terminator, her first job. But you can go down the list. His best buddy at the time was Jack Nicholson. And he put Jack Nicholson in his first movie, which was The Little Shop of Horrors, a 1960 yeah. black and white 
very, very low, low budget movie. And it was very interesting as a great example of how some young filmmakers look up to Roger. Roger and I were in Tokyo at the Tokyo Film Festival, and we we're about ready to enter the hotel. And all of a sudden I hear, Roger, 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 it's me. And I look back and it's Steven Spielberg because no, Roger no. had sort of mentored <laughs> Steven Spielberg at that time. So it's like for that generation, he was the person and he received an honorary Academy Award several years ago from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences for his contributions to giving an opportunity to so many people within the industry. Jonathan Demme, who directed Silence of the Lambs, Lambs who recently passed, I, I, the list is endless in terms of the people that he started. So when I met him at the football game, he looked at me, I looked at him, he goes, you're miserable. I said, yes. He goes, why don't you come to the office on Monday and maybe we can find a way to work together. So it's like, oh. it was very random as are most things in life. I mean, for you, Lindsay, you know, I love all the movies that you've done, particularly, you know, when you started out because you were so young. You know, how did that first movie of yours come about when you got the opportunity to be cast? I mean, I was in school and I was I was home from school that day. I remember I was singing. I was singing Madonna. I think I was singing like Material Girl or something at home. I remember it so vividly. And my mom yelled upstairs. She was like, can you do a British accent? And I said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, I can talk British, mom. <laughs> and then I went in for the first call, the first audition. Um, and, and I'd never had any acting lessons or anything. I went in for the second. The third was to be flown out to California for a screen test. So my mom had taken me to all the first ones. My dad had to go to L.A., so he took me there for my screen test. And that was that was history. The rest is history. I mean, so it was that's, pretty That's it was a great wild. story. And it, and it was a long process then, but I, I think about it now and it happened very quickly, you know, it just, and then it just, from there, I think I got the bug, the acting bug and being on sets and, and movie sets and, you know, and I got, I was so comfortable working around adults. It was kind of like second nature to me. It just felt like my home and everything else um, felt like I wasn't doing what I, my living up to my full potential, even in school. I didn't have, cause I didn't act in theater in school or anything. So, um, so that's how that happened. <laughs> well, I think the world is a better place, Lindsay, because of it. You know, we just finished working together on a movie and I have to say, you're so talented as an actor. I mean, you, every scene, every line is like perfect, like perfect on the first take always. And it's so rare in this business to work with somebody like yourself that understands the craft and has the talent and also the dedication to work hard. You know, you showed up on time, you were ready for every scene, you were ready to go. And it was such a joy to work with you and to see the result of your hard work. I, I feel like our Christmas movie for Netflix is going to be very well received by your fans around the world. And everyone who's watched it so far, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet, but everybody is so proud of your performance and so proud of the movie. It's unbelievable. It's really I will, great. I will be seeing a cut and I'll, I'll write, I'll call you and, and write you right after. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm excited for that. We had a really great time, and it's it's 
a really beautiful journey, especially especially because everyone became so close on this movie and it was around the holidays and we spent Thanksgiving together. It was a really special experience that that makes a big difference when you're filming a movie, you know, spending time with all of your yeah. co-workers and everything offset. One of the things I learned, you know, working for Roger Corman, who directed so many of the great movies, I, I don't know if you've seen, aside from Little Shop of Horrors, he did The Pit and the Pendulum and all these great Edgar Allan Poe movies, uh, is that filmmaking is a collaborative process. And for me, it's almost like summer camp, right? And you have to treat it that way because people have to like being around each other, at least for the movies I make. Because I like picking subject matters that, that are either comedies or holiday or rom-com, which are always up that. What is your favorite genre of movies, like a specific one that you choose? So well, you know what it is? It's the kind of thing, and I think this is for everybody that enjoys going to movies or watching them on Netflix, is you gravitate toward the things that attract you to, whatever it is. So if you're feeling that you want to laugh, you're going to see some comedies. And for me, Laughter is the best part of movie making because if you can make somebody laugh, you've done something great for them. And it's always a blast to make somebody laugh. I remember we did our first test screening of Dumb and Dumber. It was near Santa Barbara. Nobody really knew the film we were making because nobody really wanted us to make the movie. I can't tell you the number of times that I received a call or a letter at that time there were no emails because it was 25 years ago where somebody would call and say brad you're crazy why are you getting involved with this project it's going to ruin your career you're never going to be able to make another movie again and i have letters that i've kept to this day right from all the studio heads and heads of production and all these really smart people brad don't do it we respectfully pass it's never going to work forget about it forget it and that to me is why I like filmmaking so much, because if you have a personal connection, like it was for you, Lindsay, when you did your first movie, you loved the material, you could do the British accent, and your filmmakers loved you, you know, Charles and Nancy, they were yeah. fantastic, and they recognized your talents. And I feel like with comedy that makes you laugh on the written page, it's sort of worth it. And I don't know if you ever heard the story, but I was at a breakfast, so I... I have a very long friendship and partnership with a vi- with a close. This guy's name is Thomas Gottschalk, and he's based in Malibu and also in Germany. And he was at the time when I met him the the biggest star, show host, actor, comedian in all of Germany. And so um, we had an arrangement where he was going to promote movies for Euro Disney and Disneyland. Okay. And part of the agreement with the Walt Disney Company is that he would also appear in some movies in America. That was the trade. So he would promote Euro oh, Disney okay. for Germany, and he would then get parts in Disney movies in America. That was the deal. Wow, and it was a, a really fun a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it was good for him. It was good for Disney because at the time, you really couldn't promote Euro Disney like you can today in Germany. They had all these rules about um, TV commercials and things, but that's all changed. But anyway, so I went to this breakfast with this guy, um, Charlie wrestler and Charlie, uh, was somebody I had known because we'd gone to the same high school and, uh, he had this movie called it's Pat. You remember it's Pat. Yeah. There's a yes. character on SNL. 
And it was long yes, before yes. the LGBTQ. You didn't, its pat was sort of a person that was maybe at the time called androgynous, but it, it, today would probably, I don't, I'm not sure what the characterization would be, but you didn't know if the person was a male or female. So it played like a neutral gender. And that was the movie that Disney was going to make. And Michael wow. Eisner said, look, Brad, we're going to give a role for Thomas and it's Pat. You have to meet the producer, Charles Wessler. And I said, great. I know Charles. We, we'll have a good time. So we have breakfast and the meeting went well. And after the breakfast, Charles said, Brad, there's a script that I have that I want you to read. And I said, sure. He goes, walk me to my car. I go, OK. And I remember we were in West Hollywood at Hugo's. I don't even know if Hugo's is still there. But it was a summer morning. It was really hot. And of course, none of us had any money. So I didn't valet. He didn't valet. And I probably walked a half a mile to his car. I get to his car. It's under a tree. And there's all this bird crap all over it. And he opens up his trunk. And inside his trunk were gym clothes. And he hands me like this, this script in this manila envelope. Like it was soggy. It was disgusting. <laughs> I took it. He goes, you better read this. You better call me on Monday. I said, okay. And I take it home. I was living in Malibu. It was a really nice sunny day at the beach, reading this script, and I couldn't put it down. It was so funny. It was so hysterical. And it was Dumb and Dumber. That's why I got wow. the script. Because I took that breakfast meeting with Charlie, and I called him up and said, Charlie, you got to get these guys who wrote it, Peter and Bobby Farrell. I never heard of those guys. Who are those guys? Have them come to the office first thing Monday. I want to figure out how to make this movie. And that's how it happened. It was so random. So, so random. Wild. Yeah. That's so wild. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. From when you were making Dumb and Dumber and and those movies, how is how do you feel the industry has changed from how it was then to how it is now? Okay, well, so much has changed because there's so many more places to make movies. I'm a firm believer that the theatrical exhibition business will continue as it has continued for over a hundred years. I think where we are right now with streaming is a fantastic thing because streaming to me is like just another version of what's happened in the past. Remember, historically, and again, your fans, I don't know if they're going to want to hear this stuff about this, the distribution platforms, but it used to it's be good, it's pay good, TV, it's good HBO. Here and learn. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those that are, you know, just coming up in the industry, HBO, when it came into the industry, people thought, oh my God, it's going to kill theatrical. But it turned out, 
that HBO, the pay TV service that comes after theatrical, helped the industry. It helped the independents find another place where you could sell your stuff and get money for it. So pay TV worked. Then DVD came, and everybody goes, oh, what's that? That's going to kill the theatrical exhibition business. And what it did is it fueled the theatrical business because more movies were made because of DVD. Mm-hmm. But then when things started, and everyone was worried it was going to kill theatrical. Of course it didn't. It was the second window, just like pay TV was the second window. So streaming happens, and then the pandemic happens, and everybody says, oh, my God, streaming's going to kill the theatrical business, blah, blah, blah. It's never going to work. But to me... With some exceptions, streaming is the first and second window. And I believe that the films that deserve to be seen theatrically will be seen. In my opinion, teen horror films is a shared experience and people want to scream together and shriek together in an audience together to see it. And if you look statistically the last year and a half during COVID, you know, the films that were scary movies worked. They worked. And then same thing for comedies. In my opinion, and I'm working right now on a comedy that I'm very excited about. We'll see what happens with it. Are we, I always liked Police Academy, which was, you know, a series of movies done by Warner Brothers in the 90s. They did a bunch. Remember yeah, them? Did you ever Academy, see them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they were hysterical. And, and they were sort of like a reference to the culture at that time because it, that was before a lot of issues came up with police and violence and all that stuff. But it survived those genres. They did, I think, seven or eight of these police academies. Everybody loves them from that time. So today I'm working on something that I think is going to resonate with the audience. The script is done. And I really hope you'll consider because it's a very broad comedy. And what it is, huh. is what's the one thing that... comedy, so I wonder how broad it is. <laughs> it's really broad. What's the one thing, if you're a traveler, you hate more than anything? Have you ever thought about what that might be? Well, I thought about it, and I know what it is. It's the TSA. They torture you, and SNL's done a whole bunch of skits on them. So we basically took the police academy idea of a group, and we made it TSA, I Love You. And that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to figure out the casting for it. And it's, in my opinion, I hope going to work, because it's about these lovable but goofy TSA agents and what happens. Well, I'm hoping it works. And so we'll see. That's the next big broad comedy that I'm looking forward to doing because it's, so it's got big work? laughs. For people that don't know, how does that work? You find someone pitches you the treatment and then you get find a writer. You put the script. Like, how does it work for those Here's who don't how it know? Works. I was in London once going through airport security and I had these <laughs> little things of shampoo and I remember I had to pour crap in shampoo and these small little things. And I got stopped because it wasn't labeled. It was a homemade shampoo crap. Okay. And I go, I go, this is ridiculous. And while I was doing this, I saw probably five people go through security that looked scary to me. They looked so scary. <laughs> and they were letting these people through. And they stopped me with these crappy little shampoo bottles. So I thought, okay. This is a comedy. This is a comedy. So I've been thinking about the idea every time I'm at an airport, every time I get hassled, every time I get a pat down, every time I see, you know, like a mother and her family going through with her baby bottles and two little kids and they pat her down and they look at the baby bottle. All oh, this can't be right. So I, I've, I had the idea and I found a writer, Peter Hore, who is 
on his way up. He has four or five things around Hollywood now, several at, at the studios and at Netflix. And he's we were having lunch. And I said, Peter, what do you think of this idea? He goes, oh, my God, I want to do this. He goes, I'm going to write it tonight. You're going to have something tomorrow with an idea. And that's what happens. Oh, wow. If you have a good idea and you have a writer that's motivated and it's not about the money, it's not about anything. It's about the idea and it captures mm-hmm. their attention and they just work nonstop. It's an emotional connection. And the next day he came up with the idea like, oh, my God, great idea. Great idea. Like the he commitment got it. was there and the, he, he believed in it. Yeah. It was an emotional connection. And it's a little bit like our movie, Falling for Christmas. You know, we knew that this concept would work because it has historically worked. And that's the thing about comedies, too. If you go back to the earliest days of comedy in America and even for the world before there was TV and before there were movies, there was theater, right? There was theater all over the place. And that morphed into TV, which morphed into features. It's always about the idea, the idea has got to be clever and the people want to execute the idea. So you always have comedians in society that love comedy. You know, they specialize in it. And we were lucky to get Jim Carrey because at the time, Jim was in a TV series on the Fox Network in Living Color. I don't, do you remember that series yeah, at all? Yeah. yeah. He was fantastic in it. And I remember seeing him. I go, oh, my God, this guy's a genius. And he had done one movie called Ace Ventura and hadn't come out yet. So coming back to the story. So on that Monday, Charles Wessler brings in Peter and Bobby Farrelly. Now, these were guys. One guy was living in a studio apartment, sharing it with Woody Harrelson, who had yet to find his way into Hollywood. Okay, they were living together like only hear this kind of stuff on the lowdown. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't imagine. And then the other brother, Bobby, um, had this invention idea to have a towel. He, he'll, you could get him on your show. He'll tell you about his invention idea about a towel on the beach that uh, rotates, okay? But that's what Bobby was doing. And I don't even know if he had a hotel that night. He might have even been in his car. Who knows? And these guys show up and they say, you know, Brad, we really want to do this movie and we want to direct. And we've been offered all this money to just give it up so somebody else could direct it. And they said, no, no, we want to direct it. And what struck me was working for Roger Corman, because what he had done in his career was given people their first time opportunities to direct. And many of those people are writer directors. So I always felt having a first time director that's also a writer reduces the risk. You've got to have a great cinematographer to help them and walk them through and a good AD to explain you know, how the process works. So they said to me, Brad, you know, we'll let you have the script, but we're the directors. And I looked at them the second they said, and I said, Pete, Bobby, you guys look like great directors to me. Let's do it. Okay. And from that point on, and besides, they're so funny. You've got to try to get them on your show, Lindsay. These guys, Peter and Bobby are hysterical. They're, they're brilliant, but they're really funny. (laughs) And then we tried to figure out, you know, who to cast and the, th- the, the fun part about this story is I had a friend in Sweden. His name is Peter Fornstam, and he Ooh. was a distributor of movies in Sweden. He owned a whole bunch of movie theaters. And one of the movies he had bought was Ace Ventura. And it hadn't been released in America. Nobody had seen it. But I knew he had seen it 
because he bought the movie and they sent it to him early for his thoughts. So I called him up and I said, uh, I said, Peter, what do you think of this guy, Jim Carrey? He goes, oh, my God, Brad, I just saw this movie, Ace Ventura. It's going to be a huge hit. You better grab him while you can. He's going to he's going to blow up. So, so I was, was going to ask you how you, choose, how you choose to cast people and how that process is, because a lot of people don't know that and, and how involved the producer is, especially because you're very hands on with the movie and you are really like so wonderful to work with Brad. And, you know, Thank you've you. become your family to me and 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 you really well, I haven't done a movie in so long and you really have doing my first movie back with you. I, I couldn't it couldn't be more special. So so thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Lindsay. It was a joy. I mean, I looked at you as, you know, family, which I feel you are now. And I think the important thing about making movies as a producer is whether it's summer camp or a family reunion, because family reunions <laughs> could go the wrong way. But first days of family reunion, you have to make sure the creative process, everyone's happy and feeling protected because we're, we're creating fun stuff. And it's got to be fun creating it. You know, you yeah. can't, there can't be any tension or any bad feelings. Everyone's got to look out for everybody else, especially when you think about it. We made this movie in the middle of COVID. You know, it's still rampant. I don't know if you heard, but the week after we wrapped, the entire crew got the new Omicron uh, no variant. No way. Of COVID. Everybody got it after we wrapped. Everybody, <laughs> if oh, you wow. can imagine. So we we're very fortunate to have dodged that bullet. It's hard to imagine because even especially on our set in the freezing cold, so far apart from each other with the last days that we were shooting, I mean, no one was really that close to one another. So it's it's weird to think yes. that it would have like that. And then like a domino. Effect. We were Kid so everyone. lucky. We were so lucky. Um, but coming back to your question, I think if, if for those listening that are interested in becoming a producer, it's the idea. If you like an idea... Well, first, got to make sure other people like the idea, too, because sometimes you might be in a little bit of your own personal bubble and you might think it's yeah. a great idea. And you mentioned <laughs> to your friends, they go, oh, that sucks. You can't do that. Right. I mean, how many times have we had that happen? Yeah. So you, <laughs> it's great to you, you try to check it out. Sorry. It's great to you. But yeah, <laughs> second opinion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's like a, a joke that you think is funny that nobody else thinks is funny. But that's the job of a producer is to find the idea and make sure the idea is worthy. And that's so personal. And my advice to young filmmakers is if it makes you laugh, it makes you cry, scares the jabezes out of you, you know, like you're scared, then you know you've got something that sort of hits a personal nerve that other people will respond to. And that's always been a rule for me. You know, does it move the person in any of their senses to laugh or to cry or to get frightened? And, and so for me, that's why comedy is so easy, because if you have that idea, it's all then in the execution, finding the right writer and fine tuning the script to make sure it is funny. Because a lot of how many times have we seen a movie that's not funny? So, yeah. Yeah. And adding the physical comedy, too, which I mean, we did a lot of we wanted to add more physical comedy, which is always, I think, can always, can be funnier sometimes. <laughs> well, Lindsay, that's where I think you're so gifted because your timing as an actor is perfect and that makes your timing in comedy even more effective. 
because you, people don't know you're acting, right? Because you're just playing it straight and you're such a good actor. So that in the setup of the physical comedy, when you'll see when you watch the movie, you can't help but start laughing so hard <laughs> because you've got the essence of the joke. You got the essence of the story. And you'll see when you see the movie how wonderful that part of it is. And and I think that's the genius too of a director. Like Peter and Bobby Farrelly are some of the early directors I worked with that are hysterical. They went on to do something about Mary. And of course, Peter won an Academy Award as best director for the Green Book. So yeah. it's it's a quite an art. It's quite an art to have a director working with someone like yourself as an actor to to perfectly stage the comedy, which is always so subtle. You know, that's the thing about Dumb and Dumber. Jeff Daniels wasn't the obvious choice to have opposite Jim Carrey. You know, everyone goes, Jeff Daniels, that guy's a serious, dramatic actor. What are you doing casting him? And Peter and Bob said, no, no, he's the perfect guy because he was the straight guy, right? He was the straight guy. And the interesting thing is after Jeff was cast, a decision was made by Jim and Pete to switch the roles, right? And that's what they did. So when you see Dumb and Dumber, it was actually switched of how it was initially written for and cast. Oh, interesting. Because that was, yeah, it's very interesting. Very few people know that. So that's a, and that, and I think it made it so effective because that movie is a lot of fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, we're going to play a little game called This or That. Uh-oh. It's like it's a series of questions. No, it's not bad. There's two little games. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> Do you prefer with working do you prefer working with studios or directors? Directors. Okay. By far. Big budgets or indie budgets? Oh, big budgets. Easy. (laughs) You got to stay in a nice hotel, right? You got to fly first class and you didn't have to worry about your wardrobe not looking perfect, right? That was (laughs) big budget. Okay, so do you prefer to be on the creative side or the financial side of producing? Oh, the creative side. Because, you know, the financial side is so boring and let other people, I'm not that good in math. Anybody will tell you that. So much better than (laughs) on the creative side. Much better. Okay, would you rather film in the U.S. or internationally? Wow, that's a good question. I think it depends on the script. But lately, I've enjoyed producing around the world. Like, for example, I hope we're able to do a movie together in Ireland because Ireland's yeah. the place to be in the world in July and August, right? Right. Um, on the other hand, you know, we shot in Utah. That was fantastic. We shot Dumb and Dumber in the U.S., which is – so I would just say that's a toss-up, but they're okay. both great depending on the script. Okay. I, well, I think I know your answer to one of these next ones. But Okay, first, uh, on a stage or on location? On location, you're outside and it's beautiful. (laughs) But it's harder for sound. Remember, we had some of the. (laughs) 
Right. But the good thing is, and that's something to, to, to talk about slightly, is that technology is so improved now. And the sound mm-hmm. quality that you can get, even if you're outside, not on a stage. And then on post-production, you'll see in our movie when we do our ADR, how much, how advanced it is now to to improve sound it's it, it's so it's so advanced technology has made a big difference in that so i okay. definitely would say outside in fun locations okay <laughs> all right real snow or fake snow oh real snow for sure you can have a real <laughs> snowball fight by the way that that reminds me of a story to say about dumb and dumber so if you watch the movie again and there's a snowball fight between Lauren Holly and Jeff Daniels. You remember that remember scene that. where they're yeah. okay. Yeah. And then, you know, they're it gently it just a little tap him. snowball. And then the balls get bigger and harder, you know, and yeah. Jeff is putting them together and he winds up and he throws it at her. So the fun part about that scene is that it was toward the end of the day and we couldn't get it right. Jeff kept missing her and nobody wanted to put on Lauren's face, you know, the fast snowball. So if you look closely the next time you see the movie, you never really see the snowball hitting her face, but you hear the sound effect hitting. Okay. And then her reaction. <laughs> That's just a little tidbit, a little background on that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right. Theatrical release or streaming? That's a tough oh, one. Oh, that's a tough one. But I would say theatrical release on the basis that what is more fun Going into a theater with, you know, a couple hundred people, the lights go down, you're all together focused on watching the same thing, and something funny happens or something scary happens, you jump out of your seat. It's a shared experience, which to me goes back to what we said earlier. I think the theatrical window is always going to be in our lives, thankfully. I think the theater is not going away. Everyone's saying it's going away. It's, It's here to stay. Yeah, I hope so. It's here I hope stuff. so. Cuz certain certain films you really do need to see in a theater and some or it's fine to see at home, but I have that same feeling on that. Okay, no, original score or soundtrack? Oh, original score, especially <laughs> if in that score Lindsay Lohan singing with her sister. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe this about you Lindsay is that when you sing a song in a movie, that song will be heard around the world and loved around the world and will sell like crazy around the world and could be the Christmas classic song for a whole new generation of families and kids. I really believe that to be true. And uh, and you'll see. It's correct. It's correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, it's last thing before I let you go enjoy your day before it rains and everything in Aspen. Uh, this game is called The Low Down and Dirty, and it's another series of just questions. All right, what was your all, what is your all-time favorite filming location? Oh, my goodness. Good question. That's a hard one because we've shot all over the world. I have to say that we were in Switzerland shooting a scene of the saint we were in this famous eagle club in one of the ski areas there with sir roger moore and it was roger moore's last real acting performance before he retired oh, i'll never wow. forget it snowed 
like a foot the night before and I was looking over this valley in Switzerland and with here we were with Sir Roger Moore, you know, with James Bond for all those years. And oh, that was yeah. really fun. Uh, but I am looking forward to Ireland because Ireland in July and August is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And that well, could I'm be the location it, of a so. future movie of ours. Yeah, right? hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> uh, what is your dream actor to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Oh my goodness. I have to say I've worked, you are, I have, I, I, don't take this the wrong way, Lindsay, but working with you on the last movie, I so wanted to work with you. And so that's the check on my box, the movie we just did together working with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank because you. you have it all. You have it all, Lindsay. You really have it all. And, and you're also a really super nice person. And that's why I think you have such a strong fan base around the world because people like you because you're a nice person and you're so talented. I'm as real as it gets. That's for sure. <laughs> Which you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your go-to snack at the movie movies? Oh, definitely popcorn, popcorn with lots of smear of butter. Love that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what book, comic novella have you always wanted to turn into a movie? Oh my goodness. Well, I could, I, I, I don't know. I had a Marvel property and the option expired. And I always look back on that. It's, this is a true story, true Hollywood story that I don't think anyone's ever heard, but it's, it, it is what it is. So when I mentioned earlier, I worked for this a gentleman, Roger Corman, and one of the first days, first years I was there, we were developing the original Stan Lee Spider-Man. The script was in development at Orion Pictures. Okay. Oh, wow. And we were developing it. Orion was going to make it. And we had to renew the option. Okay. And somebody messed up at Orion. And by one day... Forgot to renew the option. No. It was then picked up by Menachem Golan, and he got the option because Stan Lee called. He goes, Brad, you won't believe it, but Orion goofed by one day, and someone swooped in. And then oh, man. Sony, that's how Sony got the rights to Spider-Man because my friend worked at Sony, and I said to them, these guys are definitely going to go out of business. Get a security interest in Spider-Man, and you'll end up getting Spider-Man. And that's how Sony got Spider-Man. Unknown story, wow. but true story. So I'd want to get that one back if I had a chance. <laughs> um, but the great thing is there are so many books every day and articles oh, written. Books. Sorry? There, no, there's tons of amazing books that can be adapted into films. It's just to pick one is, is also tough. Yeah, it really is hard to know which ones. But I've been lucky. I have a series that's been on cable for Nine years, we have over 100 episodes based on a book, a faith-based book here? called When Calls the Heart. And it's on the Hallmark Channel, When Calls oh, the Heart. And very few people know about it because it's not fancy. You know, it's, it's just good. It's like an updated version of Little House on the Prairie. And mm -hmm. that, that so to me was – I'm sorry? That's such a long time that it's been on. I mean, that's congratulations. Yeah, we've been very fortunate. So what movie could you watch forever? Wow, that's a great question. 
I have to say, I love I rewatch movies all the time. And the ones that I've made particularly because there's so many great memories. Oh, God, that's such a great question. I, I would just I couldn't answer with one movie. I would just say that. Um, but I have seen Dumb and Dumber probably a billion times because I'm always dragged <laughs> into these screens and people have these parties. And oh, let's watch Dumb and Dumber. And I give commentary. So I like that. But Falling for Christmas, our movie, I have to admit, I've watched at least 20 times because there are so many funny elements to it. And I laugh and laugh and laugh. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep all those scenes, but there's some really subtle things in that movie. And if you watch it, Lindsay, you'll see we've paid homage to Dumb and Dumber in our movie in a very subtle way. Okay. okay I'll find and if you're that. not I'll, sure I'll what that is. I think I have a feeling yeah. of what it might be because you mentioned <laughs> it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if it survives the final cut or not. Um, well, thank you so much, well, Brad. You're welcome. I've had such a fun time this morning. It's, it's sort of early. Thanks for doing it uh, at this no, time. I hope you have a really nice evening. Thank you for being on the lowdown. And uh, I hope everyone checks out Falling for Christmas on Netflix coming this Christmas. And I'm sure we're going to be working together soon, very soon. So, well, I know we are. Just don't know the exact date. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Lindsay. I've had the joy of working with Brad on a new movie this past year, and he has such a great eye for what goes into making a great comedy. We talked about finding the right people to make a project come to life and the importance of telling a story that moves people. His experience in the industry over the years is unmatched. Brad brings such an amazing energy to all of his projects, and I'm so glad to be able to chat with him about the industry and some of his favorite past projects, and also some of his upcoming new ones. If you're an aspiring filmmaker, I hope you took notes during this episode. I'll talk to you next time on The Lowdown. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.